side In the darkness is the light Out of the shadows of my life Welcome once again to the So Weird Podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Kathy. I'm Emily. And I'm Kat. And tonight we are talking about uh, Season 2, Episode 8 of So Weird, Second Generation. Also yeah. known as that episode where Kevin Zegers guest stars, also known as the kid from Airbud. Yeah, Kevin <laughs> Zegers, I looked him up and I was surprised to find he's actually been in a lot of things I've seen. Uh, he was He's in a movie I just watched the other night, actually. He's in um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's new film, Aftermath. Yeah, he actually went on to become, I guess, semi-famous or famous. Yeah. Well, he's a he's a busy character actor. He's been in a number of things I've seen. He was in, um, in addition to the Air Bud movies, he was in the Dawn of the Dead remake. He was in Wrong Turn, um, Komodo, uh, Stone Angel. These are all things I've seen. Frozen, but not the Disney one. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, what I was going to say. Yeah, the one about the people on the uh, ski lift. And some people may recognize him from the Mortal Instruments. So, yeah, he's had quite a career. Yeah, and it's amazing because I had such a major crush on him during, like, the Airbud 7th inning fetch era. <laughs> and I never realized that he was on So Weird until I was much older. Well, you know, I had no idea that the same guy was in four of the So Weird, of the uh, Airbud movies. Really? Well, I only ever saw the first one as a kid. I don't think I ever got around to seeing the other sequels. And I, you know, being direct to video sequels to a Disney dog movie, I just assumed they would get different <laughs> actors. I mean, it's not but the yeah, same I dog. <laughs> <laughs> I think I so, watched Air Bud yeah. once as a kid, but yeah, I'm not uh, into the dog movie thing. <laughs> yeah, that uh, was a popular one. I think I saw one, and I think one was really sad. And made yeah. Cry. Well, actually, you know, I remember uh, my dad took me to see the first Airbud in the theaters because this was right after my parents divorced, and my dad was always kicking me out and doing things with me so he could buy my love. And um, <laughs> and you know, now that I think about it, I'm pretty sure I saw part two on a on a bus on a field trip. <laughs> so there you go. That's my experience with the So Weird franchise. Don't quiz me on Snow Buddies or any of that stuff. <laughs> you mean the Airbud franchise? You said so weird franchise. Damn it! Oh shit! You know, fix it in post, Kathy. <laughs> so anyway, on this episode of So Weird, Kevin Zegers guest stars as Fiona's very first love interest. Uh, he's a computer nerd mm-hmm. who doesn't believe in the supernatural, so it's kind of like this. Yeah, they have an opposite thing. attract thing. Yeah, <laughs> which I don't buy. Sorry. <laughs> well, it is kind of weird that he would be on her website at all without, you know, even though he's he's decept- he's skeptical and dismissive of the supernatural. I guess because he was interested in finding more people who are missing a parent whose parent has died. And what drew him into Fiona's website was all the posts that she made that were personal about her family's experience and how she lost her father when she mm-hmm. was young and has no memory of them. And, you know, this was the late 90s, early 2000s, when it was a lot easier to just stumble upon random websites. Yeah, especially, like, created ones. Yeah, the Web point, web 1.0 era. Um, yeah, and, you know, we've talked about before how Fiona is not the traditionally super girly female television show protagonist. Um, and she's never really had a love story on the show before. Um, and they actually handle it. 
I think, pretty well. Silence? <laughs> I would agree with that. It's a cute storyline. It's. I think cute. they handle it well because it's not annoying. Because usually these one-off romance, romances are annoying to me, especially in kids' shows. But this one's fine. What do you think, Emily? I, well, okay, I don't really think that they would have made a good couple or anything. So I guess I like the fact that nothing becomes of it, really. Um, and I don't know. I, th I think it helps, like, that Fee isn't at school. You know, she's on the road. So, like, I guess I appreciate that there's not, like, this whole, with the show in general, there's not, like, this whole subplot of Fee, you know, like, wondering if she's going to get asked to the dance or when she's going to have her first kiss or whatever. This this episode makes it seem so, like, I don't know, like it's not that big of a deal. You know what I mean? I mean, do you consider that a good thing or a bad thing? I consider it a good thing okay. because I feel like uh, a lot of shows I watched as a kid, um, you know, kind of emphasized the romantic aspect of high school and middle school and, oh, I have a crush on this guy and, oh, you know, when is anyone ever going to go out with me? That sort of thing. I would say a good um, example is Lizzie McGuire. Yes. Yes. And, you know, I guess ultimately, like, I didn't end up dating anyone in high school or in middle <laughs> school. So I kind of would have appreciated it if more shows didn't, like, have that be the whole plot of the show for girls. Same. Okay. I think that's why um, there's other girls that like this um, part of So Weird where they didn't focus on romance anytime. Um, well, the interesting thing is that the guests would be just different people, not necessarily her age, but I'm fine with just this one off. Like the one that I didn't like where she liked um, a boy was in the animal shelter. Oh, Yes, the shelter episode, because she was, yeah, that was really <laughs> into that guy, and he didn't like her at all, and it, that, that it gets awkward. Yeah, but, and that's something yeah. that's good about the way they handle uh, the relationship in this episode. It doesn't derail Fiona's character in any way. She's not acting really out of character. I mean, she's shown an occasional girly side from time to time, so... Uh, yeah, it's handled pretty well, and those scenes they have together, like when they first meet in the club, the bar, whatever it was, and it's really super awkward, that felt very natural and cute to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's talk about that scene a little bit. So Molly's <laughs> at a rehearsal, singing her song, and then, of course, in comes Carrie, cheering oh, no. her on, <laughs> on his face. He goes up over to where she's sitting and then they have that cute little flirty moment where they're smiling and joking together and in walks this <laughs> random kid looking for Fiona. I have to say I think that's one of the shippiest scenes of the show if you're a <laughs> Carrie and Molly fan. He's looking up at her so adoringly. Yeah. I, I just <laughs> the, the ship that does not actually exist. <laughs> they're called crack ships. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, a crack ship would be like Ned in the bus. That's a crack ship. Because yeah. it's completely oh, true. That is a nonsensical. Ship. You know, a crack ship is Anne Frank and Goku. It's not two characters that are actually in a scene together. Um, okay, it is a <laughs> ship that's just not canon. <laughs> I mean, there ships that aren't canon are some of the biggest ships of shows. I know, fans have wonderful, vivid imaginations, <laughs> and we love them. Um, 
<laughs> I so, just want to bring that once upon a time, biggest ship, Emma and Regina. Anyway. <laughs> well, you know, and that's that's a good point that that cat brought up about like you know nowadays a guy like finds a girl online and then goes to a place where she is physically at and starts talking to her it would be a serious creeper move. <laughs> it would. Yeah, well, with this age, like remember, the internet was for nerds in the '90s. Like you were on the and internet because you had no friends <laughs> to play outside with. I mean, yes, that's true. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, in retrospect, it just comes off as kind of funny. But, you know, at the time, it was not that too big of a deal. And it's a TV show. you got to get the characters interacting somehow. Yeah. And, you know, and honestly, Ryan is kind of the guy I would, like, picture Fiona with kind of nerdy and a little awkward. He's not like the traditional kind of teen heartthrob sort of dude, though. If he takes off his glasses, he is. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why I never recognized that this character was played by Kevin Zeggers. Because the glasses. He looked too nerdy. In the script. Hey, I wear glasses. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, so do I. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, why don't you go ahead and explain why you know that um, it's in the script? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I bought the script on eBay, I think, a few months ago. And um, so I was reading it along while I was watching the episode, right before our recording. And um, there's really not that much different at all about this. There's only, I think, like two scenes that got deleted that weren't really important. It's just dia extra dialogue. Um, but yeah, there's not really anything different besides dialogue being changed so it can sound more natural. Um, but yeah, I wish there was more, but no, it's pretty strict to the script. Didn't uncover any so weird secrets or anything? Nope. Besides <laughs> the, the crew's name, the musicians, <laughs> that's all that I learned. Their names are Chuck, Judy, and Phoenix. Those the band members that just magically appear anytime they get to a venue. Yeah, we learned the the bass player's real name. Is yeah, his Chuck? name is Chuck, and then I guess the piano girl is Judy, and the drummer is Phoenix. If anyone cares, <laughs> well, we care because back in the days of Conrad's Hideout. Oh no! They're, they're <laughs> the most popular band member was. Chuck, the bass player, and his nickname was the Orgasmic Bass Player. <laughs> well, now, if anybody from Conrad's Corner or whatever the hell it was called is listening to the show, <laughs> um, now they know the bass player's actual name. Yeah. Somewhere there is some so weird diehard fan who has been wondering that for 20 years, <laughs> and we have solved the mystery. Uh, <laughs> So we should probably mention what this episode's actually about, like what this, yeah. the quote-unquote supernatural mystery is this week. Um, because you got to remember, in the late 90s, early 2000s, cloning was kind of a buzzword because we just managed to clone a sheep, which was a big deal. And, um, and now it's like they clone a new animal every week and, you know, we just don't care because we're living in the 21st century where everything is possible and an insane reality TV show is our president. And... Um, <laughs> So, but at the time, cloning was like, ooh, we are a real mystical thing. And like the internet, television producers thought cloning was magic and could do anything. Um, which is where how we get to this episode, which is, uh, as we discover, Fiona meets this cute boy. And the more they look into his life, because the characters have nothing else in common except for their, uh, they're missing a parent and they have a shared love of sleuthing. And through that mutual love of sleuthing, they come to the conclusion that Ryan is, in fact, a clone of his father. 
Yep. Is that that's the that's the whole plot. I just spoiled the entire episode. <laughs> no, you didn't. Did you guys like the the intro of the episode with Fee in that play? Yeah, it was super cute. Baby Fee. Yeah. Yeah. Little Fee as a vegetable. Mm-hmm. Leave it and to Stop cutting off Emily, cat. <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't have anything important to say. I'm just going to say it's the same actors that we'll see in an episode later on. Oh, yeah. In the flashback Christmas one. Oh, yep. okay. I didn't realize it was the same. Little girl playing Fiona. Yeah. Um, I like that continuity. Mm-hmm. This is one of the episodes written by John Wiseman. So when we did, um, when I was doing the live stream and he came to one of our chats, um, talked a little bit about this one, but not really so much. Um, I think he said that he was very proud of the Les Vegetables <laughs> name that he made up. Yeah, yeah that opening I is super cute. I appreciate that as an English person. Though, to be <laughs> totally technical, a tomato is not a vegetable. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, another thing, uh, this episode was directed by Francis Dernberger, who previously did Mutiny and would do Being There in season three. So not a regular, so weird, creative person, but worked on some other TV shows at the time, like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the series, and Caitlin's Way. I don't know if anybody remembers that show. But, oh, yes. I love yeah, that the, show. That Nick show about the goth girl on the farm. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Um, so, a little anyway. fact there. so what's our general thoughts on like the plot as it plays out? I thought it was really interesting that they go into the backstory of that the woman that Ryan believed his whole life was his mother was actually the science partner of his father, who later we found out is really just his clone, has died of Huntington's disease. And it was the father's mission to find a cure for this disease that killed his partner. And that is why he decided to clone himself. So he could find somebody just as smart as he was to continue working on it. Yeah, and the uh, dad had an unrequited crush on this girl, this woman. Yeah, he loved her. It seems like, yeah, he went through a lot of trouble to find someone as smart as him, right? When and you know, like, you're right. So there are probably easier ways to do it than to literally clone yourself. <laughs> yeah, but um, I think... In the episode, I think they said that um, his partner, the woman, was into, like, cloning and thinking that human cloning could eventually be possible. Did they say that in the episode? Yeah, I seem to remember that. Yeah. And I wonder if there was any particular significance of choosing Huntington's disease. Because, I mean, it could have been any degenerative disease. But I, I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting choice on the writer's behalf to single out that one specifically. Me too. It was the first time I ever heard of it. And I think that's a good way to raise awareness is by using lesser known diseases in TV shows so that they get more publicity instead of going for the easy to name like, oh, cancer. Yeah. And there's that's also. Why health is so good. Yeah. And there's also a uh, genetic element to Huntington. So maybe that had some sort of influence. I don't know. But interesting choice. Oh, that's a good connection because. Cloning is all about genetics, second mm-hmm. generation, the gene mm-hmm. theme. Um, and it's interesting how the show doesn't play Ryan's dad as a bad guy. Not really. They do a little bit. Yeah. They look like they may be going in that direction, but then it's everything is resolved peacefully at the end. 
he's just making dumb choices. <laughs> um, in that scene in the beginning of the episode when he's he's recording um, Ryan's day like days. Yeah, on and that so, totally bitchin' zip drive. <laughs> yeah, like every day there's he has a flash drive of him recording all like everything that he does and monitoring how he's doing. And it's so weird that um, they Title show his drop. computer while <laughs> <laughs> they show his computer and they have a picture of Ryan and he's sleeping. I always thought that was creepy. Does he take a picture of him sleeping every day or what? Yeah, in the script it said that was a picture he took of that morning. And it was day 5126. So I guess like every day there's a picture. Yeah, and then somehow he got readings of the zinc levels of Ryan and his pulse and all this. I'm like, how did he do that? <laughs> yeah, you know, in That's retrospect, awesome. it's pretty creepy. <laughs> yeah. And also, I really feel so bad for Ryan because imagine you're a kid and then one day you find out that you exist as an experiment. Like, that's the ultimate betrayal. And I think it's really interesting how he brings up the fact that the dangers of cloning, like his father risked his life, Ryan's life, in order to bring him into existence. And yeah. he has this one line like, oh, why didn't you just throw me off a cliff to see if I could fly? Because it was so dangerous. And yeah, and then the dad replies with, but you did fly. So it's kind of like he's proud of how all this has worked out so well, but it's so insensitive at the same time. Yeah, yeah. well, so I guess what I'm saying is they don't play the dad as a bad guy, assuming you can ignore how obviously manipulative and creepy his behavior is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's, he's not, not like, portrayed as like evil, yeah, but just ignoring the negative aspects of what he was doing, the negative ethical aspects, and being upfront with Ryan about his past. And uh, his father, by the way, is played by an actor named Ed Ivanko. He's credited in the credits as Ed Evank, but it's Ed Ivanko, who, in a bizarre bit of trivia, would quit acting in 2003 to become a Catholic priest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And, um, and he was in some other stuff. I don't know. I'm just looking at his IMDb profile. He was in the Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, Sudden Death. That's something I've seen that he was in and uh, did a lot of TV. But, yeah. Um, yeah, and, you know, it's, um, it's an interesting reveal about the whole cloning thing. There's actually a pretty cool moment where they cut from Molly playing on stage. They're playing in the darkness to... Um, Ryan in the laboratory with Fiona and that moment when he realizes that he's a clone, that his father's genetic material is a perfect match for him. And it's a good bit of editing, use of music in that moment there. Pretty well done. Yeah, and then that scene also brings up the a tiny bit of conflict between Jack and Fee and Molly, where Molly has this big show tonight where there's a person from the record company who's at the show to see her. And Jack is like, oh, we got to be there for mom. And then Fee's torn. She wants to be with Ryan to support her. And Molly completely gets it. But Jack is more reluctant. Like, no, you belong with your family. You need to show up for your mom. So I feel like that's kind of like the chivalrous night part of him coming up. Yeah, it's the big brother aspect. And, and again, they handle that stuff pretty well. They don't make Jack come off as an unreasonable jerk. He's actually... He cares for his little sister. He's watching out for her. You know, he's trying to make sure that she doesn't do anything inappropriate with this boy that she likes. 
<laughs> yeah, I like how he chaperones her. Yeah, I like how he volunteers to chaperone her to just use his pool and have a great time. <laughs> yeah, the pool stuff's funny. <laughs> I like how that whole issue is resolved when Molly talks to Jack at the showcase and she says that, you know, Fee has to make her own choices and that if Jack was in the same position and Gabe had some problem, would he stay at the showcase or would he go to Gabe? She got him good there. He says, like, <laughs> oh, of course I'd be here. And then she looks at him and he's like, well, maybe. <laughs> yeah, further proof that Molly Phillips is one of the best TV moms. Like, she's yeah. not smothering Fiona. She trusts her daughter to make the right decisions and be responsible. All of that stuff is cool. As long as it's not too weird. It's too weird, <laughs> she gets a little yeah. concerned. <laughs> yeah, and as far as, like, the weirdness factor of um, this particular episode goes, like I said, there's nothing in this that is super natural. It's all stuff that is theoretically, scientifically possible. I mean, probably way, way off in the future, but not totally out of, you know, there are no aliens or big feet or ghosts in this episode. It's stuff yeah. that is, you know, like I said, theoretically possible. It's what we would call like a two or a three on the Moe's sci-fi hardness scale. Yeah, I kind of relate it. I relate it to... Um, Wiseman's other episode um, with James Gar in cryostasis. Oh, yeah, that's another one with science that is conceivable. Yeah, yeah until the end. <laughs> yeah, I honestly don't remember that one that well. Doesn't doesn't the guy like magically get his soul back or something, right? Well, he leaves his body and enters um, the body of the person who was... Right, the dying guy. Right, yeah. right. okay, yeah. okay, okay. That's one I've only seen once. Um, um, anyway. I love that one. That is an underrated one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I guess we'll be finding out soon, won't we? It's only a couple yeah. couple more off. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so, you know, overall, I think uh, Second Generation is a pretty good episode. They handle the romantic aspect in a really cute, natural way. They don't overdo it. It's not weird. I mean, that scene where Fiona's painting her toes and has her laptop open waiting for the email, I guess, is the only scene that really pushes it. I don't know if that's... Yeah, any, any other thoughts on that? That particular moment? Um, I think uh, the genetic code that he sends her of a rose is so cheesy. Every time I see it, I just... <laughs> ugh, I want to, yeah, throw up a little. If a guy did that to you, Emily, you know you thought... You'd think it would be sweet. No. <laughs> I like how Fee sees the email and she's like, what? This is garbage. And it's not until he sends a second email to explain that it's genetic code of a rose. And she's like, oh, so sweet. Yeah, send the second email first. <laughs> um, you know, but, uh, you know, it's how nerds flirt, I guess. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it's, I, th I thought that was kind of cute. It reminds me when it used to be really popular to do those pictures out of computer symbols. Oh, yeah. Oh, the first wave, the the you know, the evolutionary predecessor to emojis, you mean? Yeah. yeah, it would take up like an entire page of like the little cat thingies and equal signs and plus. Yeah, signs. yeah, that's uh, A-S-C-I-I, Ashi, Ashi, whatever the hell it's called. Yeah. Yeah. That thing. You still see it in YouTube comment threads sometimes. Somebody listening to this should leave us one <laughs> in the comment <laughs> Make a Mike Wazowski. I always see that one. 
Well, I, I see that and the middle finger. Those are the two most popular ones. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what, what is everybody else's general thoughts on this episode? I've been talking too much. I was just going to say that um, Ryan is a professor at a college, and he's like a prodigy type of person. And That was cool to see on a kid's show. Cause, I don't know. I don't see that often besides the show Smart Guy. Well, this was post Doogie, Doogie Hauser. People remember that show, throwing that out there. Anybody know who that is? I know who it is, but I've never seen it. Okay, okay. <laughs> Showing my age there. Um. Um, so even though I thought the like whole genetic code of the ro- of a rose thing was corny, I do go awe a little bit whenever, uh, you know, Ryan says DNA, or he says DNA is not everything, and Ryan says... Name one difference between me, him and me, and she says, I like you, and kisses him. Yeah. I think that's really sweet. That was pretty cute. Yeah, and yeah. then, of course, and, the end of this episode, when she gets her first kiss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know if you all agree, but I think Kara looks nervous in that scene. <laughs> yeah, um, in the chat, um, Wiseman said that he, if he remembers right, that was like her real first kiss. Aww. Aww. <laughs> yeah, she's got like big eyes and she's swallowing too much. <laughs> I noticed that because I'm a speech therapist, okay? I pay attention to people swallowing. Um, <laughs> well, you know, and it ends up working fantastically for the scene because, yeah, it does. you know, so it, it just works out. You know, it's a real thing that happened that just happens to make her look like a really good actress. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, overall, I, I like this episode pretty decently. I don't, it's not like a favor or anything, but I think it's done well. The mystery aspect plays out decently. It keeps you watching. I mean, you're going to keep watching anyway, but it sort of hooks you and makes you wonder what's happening, even though you can probably guess by the the intro and the episode title. But, uh, yeah, something else I wanted to bring up was after Ryan, like, figures out that he's a clone. And I think Ryan just storms off and then Fee kind of goes off on the dad saying, like, aren't you going to go chase him? Like, don't you love him? And the dad doesn't say anything. That's not cool. (laughs) Yeah, and he's like, well, what do you want me to do? And she's just telling you love him. He's your son. Don't you care? Like, that's such an important point. And the difference between treating him like a science experiment and treating him like a human being. And there was a really good movie called The Island that oh, addressed Really good? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was really good. I liked it. Because it makes you question the ethical standpoint of cloning. Is it just a science experiment? At what point do we think about souls? Are these really people? Can we be free to, like organs from them well um and they make a, a big deal about it in this episode about how you know oh is he the guy's son is he a clone but stri- mm-hmm. speaking from a strictly genetic standpoint he is basically his son said in the episode like oh it's kind of like identical twins yeah i mean yeah that he's raised him since he was a baby that's son oh yeah mm-hmm. i mean and if just looking from you know if you define child as genetic offspring the you know brian is his son i mean you know you're being getting into semantics there well even thinking about adoption like 
you raise them, they're your child. You well, I mean, yeah, that, that's a whole other debate. But yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, so at the end, the dad says, like, I don't know what we are to each other. And then he says, like, I'd like to try to be your dad. Yeah, they open up this possibility that maybe he will be less of a creepy, manipulative weirdo in the future. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's hope. That feels like such an odd thing to say at this point in time, though, because the kid's like 14, 15 years old. So for most of his life, all of his childhood, the father didn't think of him as a son, just as an experiment. Like, that's got to hurt. Yeah, that's why I didn't like the dad at all. Yeah. yeah you know what? He is a jerk. Yeah, yo, I take it all back. Total dickweed. <laughs> um, so, uh, is there anything else we, we want to talk about? Any? Not, not a. a um, a Ned is not in this episode at all, is he? No, Ned and Irene well, aren't. I think they they weren't in yes, not yesterday, in the previous episode either. Right. So I guess those actors were just on vacation that Visiting month or whatever. Clue. Yeah, <laughs> that's the the end show explanation. Yeah. <laughs> um, although I don't know who I mean who's who's driving the bus. Who, who's you know like Irene is referenced about how they've got all these record producers coming in and seeing Molly's performance, but you never actually see her. She's so just they busy lady. They're she's there on her cell phone. They're there, but they're just off screen the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know we do get to hear a bit of. Um, Molly singing in this episode, which is always nice. Yeah, and we get some yeah. shots of the crowd clapping awkwardly off, off the beat. <laughs> and then the stage grinding with Carrie. Oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah. And he's wearing leather pants. <laughs> well, you know, and for the for you know the parents, for the moms, you have Carrie in leather pants, and for the dads, you have Molly in a tight shirt <laughs> and jeans. So, you know, it works out for everybody. <laughs> It works out for Molly and Carrie. <laughs> um, They're totally it, checking each other out on stage. It's gorgeous. I mean, you know, if you support that theory, it does, yes. If you have eyes, yes. <laughs> Where, where's Molly and Carrie in uh, 2017, Kat? What do you think? I think it's best left to the imagination. Oh, that's a cop-out answer. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, what was the name of that studio they were recording in in the, the opening scene, The Red Line or something? Yeah, The Red something. I, I should have written that down. Damn. So, um, yeah, overall, this one's pretty good, I think. Like I said, not an all-time fave, but a solid episode. I enjoy it. It's not one I rewatch a lot or anything, though I would like to think that if they had continued with the Fiona plotline for season three, they would have brought Ryan back eventually. I don't believe there was any mention of that in the infamous John Cooksey production notes. But uh, I like to think that they would have at least referenced it the way they referenced Gabe and Jack throughout seasons one and two. Yeah, I don't remember if he was part of the season three plans. I think they talk about it, about how she's growing up. And, like, she'll start to notice boys more in season three, but that Ryan was kind of like a one-time thing, if I'm remembering correctly. Well, at the end, he says he's going to email her, so that means he's yeah. the one who dropped the ball. Well, no. And I think we can no. see his name come up in our email contacts later on. Yeah, yeah. It does. He has, I forget which one. He has a chat with her in uh, Vampire. Yeah. And actually, uh, he said, or one of them says, miss you, and then the other person says, I miss you too. So I guess that's what I appreciate most about this episode is the actually the aftermath. The fact that, like, we don't see 
or Ryan or anything, but that they still keep in touch and, you know, they can still miss each other. Until yeah. shelter. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait, no, until vampire. Yeah, so... Wait, didn't, um, in, in Vampire, someone liked Fee? Yes, but she, I don't think she had any feelings for him. Ugh. Okay. Let's talk about that when Later. we get there. Ugh. <laughs> not, not one of my faves. Uh, <laughs> um, so, I mean, what's everybody's general thoughts on this one? You know. Oh, um, I yeah, I'd agree with you. Like, it's a good episode, but I don't rewatch it that much. It's not one of the best. Not in my top ten, but it's good. So, if I were to rate it, it'll be a seven. Yeah, that's where I would put it. And uh, and I really appreciate the episode for not really screwing up with the whole Fiona getting a love interest thing. That's probably my favorite thing about it. Like the plot is yeah, fine. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with the plot or anything, but the um the way they handle Fiona, you know, getting a first kiss and everything, and it doesn't totally screw up her character in any way. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I agree with what you guys are saying. It's a good episode, but it's not tied into the overall season two plot line. And it's just not one that I go back and rewatch. It's kind of just there. I'd put it at a 7.5 because of the glorious Molly Carey moments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like this episode more for what it doesn't do than what it does do. So I'd give it a thumbs up. Basically what you said, Zach, about it, you know, not screwing up Fee's character development and all that with, by introducing a love interest. All right. I really like that Fee does get the love interest and she does get an on-screen kiss because that's part of the whole growing up thing. And I right. like that it's not the focus of the series, but we still see those little milestones along the way. Yeah, I agree with that. And, uh, and you know, and she's at the age when dating and romance starts becoming a uh, primary interest. So it's natural that it would come up. Yeah, and I guess you can tie that with Jack also. Because you don't, you don't see his character, like, you know, having googly eyes for every single girl besides that escape episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I like how they handle their romance side of the show. Though I guess for the, the fee clue shippers, this is a total torpedo moment, isn't it? No, because oh, okay. in the notes from John Cooksey, they did mention exploring the possibility of Fee awakening to have feelings for Chloe. Oh, all right. Well, you know, that, that's what I get for underestimating the fandom's ability to turn <laughs> absolutely nothing into something. So <laughs> It's not nothing. It's notes. It would have been if he had stayed. <laughs> like, the possibility would have been explored. I don't know. I just, I don't know. Fee and Clue, they're, they're like brother and sister. It would be weird. I, I, I can't dig with that one. Like, uh, okay, I give you Molly Carey people, sure, maybe. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, stuff happens when you're on the road for a long time. But, but Fee and Clue just, it kind of squicks me out. If you have Molly Carey and Fee and Clue, no. It's all messed up. Yeah, that'd be a little incestuous, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. It, it has to be one or the other. <laughs> I would go with Molly Carey if I had to pick between the two. Well, of course you would. <laughs> I've been uh, watching Supernatural lately, so, you know, it's really opened up my mind to things. And really, the only person I can ship P. Phillips with now is Sam Winchester. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There are Meant so to be. many so weird fan fictions that have that premise. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Have you worked out like the age there? Any like how old would Fee be? And I don't I have no idea when Supernatural started airing. I know it's been on the air for like fifteen years or something. I think she'd be like four or five years younger than him, actually. Yeah, this totally works out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If they meet when they're older. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so uh, do we have any email or feedback or anything, Kathy? Um, we don't because I haven't posted the latest episode yet. You slacker. My bad. <laughs> it's I got it done yet last night. I just need to finish the pictures and all that. We did uh, get that comment about somebody going through podcast withdrawal. That was nice. Yeah, I just want to <laughs> say, you know, uh, Andrea, your commitment to the show is deeply, deeply flattering. Yes, and yes, um, I know. Recently, um, Molly, no, not Molly, Mackenzie Phillips had a book tour for the latest book that she came out with, and um, Andrea had <clears throat> went to one, and she was oh, able yeah. to meet um, Mackenzie, and she made a post on the forum about it, and she asked a really cool question about like the so weird music but also it relating to relating to like kind of getting better in life because Mackenzie is a counselor so you know stuff like that pretty cool that's awesome yeah that is interesting do we know the name of her new book does anybody have that written down I think it's like hope is healing or something hopeful healing yeah yeah all right. And uh, talking about Mackenzie Phillips, a friend of mine just saw American Graffiti for the first time. And I said, uh, and he said, yeah, you know, who is the uh, the actress that's the girl in the car with that guy? You know, like what, whatever became of her. I said, oh, well, that's uh, Mackenzie Phillips, of the you know, the new mamas and papas. And she was on So Weird. And he had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Make him watch So Weird now. <laughs> yeah, he would probably like so weird. I think that this would uh he, he likes supernatural <gasps> and stuff like that. We can I could probably hook him on it anyway. Yeah. We did get one comment by someone named Flavio Raffaelli and they said that that's a great podcast and then they're asking where they can download the episodes. <laughs> yeah, that that same guy uh, asked me on Twitter and I pointed him towards the forum. Oh, so Okay. Uh, guys, I have some pretty big news. What? Okay, not really. <laughs> um, okay, so everyone, if, in case you didn't know, I would say that So Weird's most famous fan that has like actually stated their fan is Jessica Williams, who is yeah. on The Daily Show. Or, the, yeah, The Daily Show. Uh, mm-hmm. So, And she's now on this podcast that's really popular. Um, I can't remember what it's called. Well, anyway, I just checked Instagram and searched for So Weird, and she made a post about So Weird. Oh, really? So, yeah, she uh, posted the uh, the logo for the show. Her uh, Instagram, you know, handle is Miss J. Willie, M.S.J. Willie. And it says, Disney, I swear if y'all asses don't finally make this damn show available to me so I don't have to buy it ripped from some weird dude who recorded the episode straight from the TV with the damn commercials in it. I'm going to do nothing but still be mad about it on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and well, then she's got the knowing that I did buy them from some weird dude, and there are no commercials. There yeah, my commercial copy free. doesn't. My copy doesn't have weird. I, I would actually love that because I am a a addict for old weird retro commercials. Yeah, I'm looking at her Instagram right now, and she has little claps between each word. That's that's <laughs> that thing that people do on Twitter now. I don't know why, but <laughs> yes. 
Well, if <laughs> I saw that, I would assume because each, between each word, she would slap a Disney employee in the head for not doing this. <laughs> well, you know, I always assume it's like, you know, you're getting, trying to get somebody's attention when you do that. I, I have no idea. I don't get it. These kids with their Instagrams and their Twitters and all that. Get off my lawn. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, I saw that she posted that like 19 hours ago. That's really cool. I know that she's posted mm-hmm. on Twitter before saying like, Everybody needs to watch it, and Fee's such a great female character. Yes, I just... I need to tell her, like, hey, I have the episodes. <laughs> Hook her up, yeah. Do, and... Come on our podcast yeah. and rant. Famous person, <laughs> please come on our show. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, really, I, she's, like, the only famous person I've ever ho- heard mentioned so weird, so... It's and I love the little the little hashtag she has on the picture, uh, which is X Files Junior, which is cute. <laughs> and yeah, the, and a good description. Yeah, and then the top couple comments are just people screaming about space cases and mystery files of Shelby Wu. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah. that's cool. That's super cool. Uh, any any other things we want to share with our listeners tonight? I guess. Well, I since I said I bought the script. Um, I'm going to try to just scan it and then post it online sometime on the forum if anyone's interested. Okay. I don't think Disney would give you a cease and desist over that. Nah. I'd like to see it. <laughs> it sounds cool. Yeah. And I need to I need to go online and buy some weird, obscure, so weird memorabilia because it's. I feel left out that I don't have any. <laughs> There's a script recently. I forgot which one it was. And... I thought someone else was going to buy it, so I didn't buy it, but I don't know if they ever did. No, I'm sad. <laughs> well, you know, and, and the, the jacket, that's the baller one. That's the one everybody wants. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so anyway, I think we're done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you all for listening, and uh, uh, the next episode will probably be out at some point, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, this has been yet another episode of the So Weird Podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Kathy. I'm Emily. I'm Kat. And keep the faith. And come on our show, Jessica Williams. (laughs) Yes. Bye. All right.